Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Well, we got a night off. We got playoff baseball on the way. I'm here with my co-hosts, Danny Miller and Xavier Sanchez. My name is Ian Eskridge, and welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. Um, White Sox go 6-1 and one in their last seven. So my question for you two gentlemen is uh, your anxiety about the White Sox cruising into the last couple weeks is it alleviated? Uh, kind of a little ish. Bit. Yeah, ish. I, you know, I gotta say, uh, you know, you, you mentioned six and one, but I think it was like eight out of the last ten or seven out of the last ten. Ish. Uh, yes, six and one is pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, we always talk about playoff teams getting hot at the right moment, and uh, you know. There is no better moment than the uh, the final week of the season. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but yeah. What do you think, Xavier? Yeah, I last week we we're talking about it and how we see all these other teams playing some like exciting baseball, the Cardinals, the Mariners, and the rest of the East. And that was something that was missing with the White Sox. You know, there's a bunch of people saying, oh, they shouldn't. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're hot or not, but uh, I feel like it it doesn't hurt to see like some <laughs> progress. Like they're just like stagnant, 500 baseball, and that, that's not exciting. Uh, and we saw we had a good week, and I've been waiting to ask Ian what he, he was thinking about this this past week. Yeah, you know, um, I have to say that I'm at least a little bit relieved. Um, you know, there's there's still a couple of things that uh, you know worry me. Of course, we've got uh, Rodon, you know, throwing you know low low nineties, um, not sitting you know at his uh, his normal ninety six ninety seven miles an hour. So that's that's got me a little uh, a little worried. Um, I mean, you know, we've got uh, the the pitching's kind of been a little bit. Uh, They've kind of leveled off a little bit. They're not, you know, shoving like they were earlier. So that's got me a little bit worried. Um, so I went to the game on uh, Saturday night and uh, Yohan Mankata game part two. Um, and through the first couple of innings, you know, they were they still only had like two hits and they were getting uh, they were getting shut out. So it's it's kind of one of those things that. Uh, Obviously, playoff baseball's here, so I'm excited. And uh, I mean, it's what we've been waiting for for months and months now. And uh, now I kind of just wonder, you know, are we um, are we there? Are we are are we looking like uh, like we're supposed to look? I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Um. Well, you know. Here's the thing. You mentioned Rodon and his fastball, but, uh, you know, Rick Honda addressed the media today, and he talked a little bit about Rodon and Abreu and what's been going on with them and, and you know, potential injuries. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, the, the fact that it sounds like Rodon is going to get a start here in the ALDS, and they're going to manage uh, – they're going to manage his, his time, I guess, is what 
Rick was saying. But the fact that he's even going to get a start right now, I, I'm okay with that. You know, he's he has a little bit of time off, uh, you know, coming up to the playoffs. So I feel pretty good about that. But, you know, there's a mindset that goes with playoff teams that I think, uh, you know, last year being at the better part of this team faced off against Oakland and uh, that memory really isn't that old for the fans or the team and I think they're going to come out hot I think they're going to be looking to get something done and I think we're going to see that heart of the team come through so you know I don't know uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen from there Xavier what do you think yeah I think there's a little bit of concern here, but um, I'm more the optimist on for us. I, I like what we saw. Obviously, you're a little nervous with the bats, but um, there's a lot of things that looked like they were clicking this past weekend. Uh, we're still walk. Our guys that are walking are walking a ton. Luis Robert is hitting well. Yeah, Mark uh, mentions uh, Donuts33 says it confirms what they should have done a lot sooner. And, you know, I don't know. It's We've been talking about this for, for months now. Um, I mean, basically since June. So, uh, you know, it, it's the, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, like I kind of equated it to this the other day that, Essentially, the White Sox, if they go into a, a three or four game series, you you essentially see like, I don't know, maybe uh, five good innings out of that uh, out of out of that uh, that entire four game set, and those four or five innings they'll go crazy and they'll score you know twenty runs, twenty five runs, but you know there's that other window you know where you're seeing you know uh innings of you know stagnant offense and uh that that still has me worried i mean regardless of you know like you know we're going to the playoffs now and the thing is is that we're not going to be seeing you know uh Savali giving up you know eight runs or whatever you know we're going up against teams that have a pretty solid starting rotation uh you know we're going up against the Astros and uh we've we've seen those games you know Framber Valdez just absolutely shutting us down and uh I I guess I shouldn't say us because I'm not on the White Sox but um you know seeing the uh seeing the team just get shut down and you know get five hit and score a run you know Uh, that's that's the things that that's one of the things that has me worried yeah, well, you know, you mentioned uh, the other night, and I, I, I believe you were talking about the game against Detroit where we were losing, you know, 4 nothing or whatever it was going into the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, but to me, that's one of those things where, yeah, okay, it's concerning that you're not. And, and we are, let me, let me back up a little bit. We are losing or not hitting well against pitchers that aren't the greatest. We're, we're struggling against some pitchers that are, you know, third and fourth and fifth in their rotation on bad teams. And uh, that's, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. But the fact that, you know, this team has still that heart and that desire to go ahead and continue to fight to win games, whether it's in the eighth or ninth inning, uh, you know, 
even after struggling the way they did, like you mentioned, uh, gives me a little bit of hope that things are starting to turn around a little bit for these guys. But yeah, I agree. There are some times where uh, you just want to see more, especially earlier in games. I'd like to see, you know, the guys like Rodan who have kind of gone through some, some uh, maybe dead arm issues, you know, in the second half of the season. I'd like to see those guys get a little bit of run support early to kind of take the pressure off of them and maybe allow them to, uh, you know, do some things on the mound without overthinking it, without having to uh, pitch, uh, like, like they say, Picasso, where they're uh, trying to paint corners and, and do things that they don't necessarily feel comfortable with at the moment. But, uh, you know, if we look back at the 2005 team just really quickly and how that team in the second half kind of imploded actually the last month of the season kind of imploded and almost gave away the division uh to see this team kind of you know struggle in the second half the same way and maybe not even as bad as a 2005 team coming into the playoff hot wow coming into the playoffs hot uh makes me feel a little bit better it just does you know yeah no i i mean i can totally understand that it makes sense um yeah, uh, Bozy mentions baseball is 90% mental and 40% psychological. Hold it back and make them think your arm is falling off. It's brilliant. And, and I mentioned, you know, like uh, Ashley Rodon on Twitter, you know, mentioned uh, several times to, you know, uh, you know, a, uh, I guess a metaphor, saving your bullets, you know, for when they count. And, uh, I mean, we can... Is she trying to get pregnant? I don't know, man. Uh, they got two, two now, I think. So you know, who knows? Big family. Got to got to got to populate that uh, that ranch that they got in Indiana. Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I White Sox. Hard Carl for nothing. Yeah, White Sox Premium K. They have been saving Rodon up for the playoffs. He is about to be unleashed, and I, you know, I can only hope. You know. Um, I'm I'm hoping that uh that Los is on that uh you know, I'm just saving my arm thing, you know. And I for all I mean, you know, you saw the 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 last time he pitched, he looked he looked really fantastic. Um besides the fact that his velocity was down, he still managed to pitch really really well. So, you know, that's that's kind of one of those things where uh you know, when they're when guys are younger, they say they're just throwers, and then as they progress, they become pitchers. And uh, you know, it's entirely possible that uh, we have seen a maturation process of sorts. You know, with him, where uh, you know he's limiting his pitches a little bit better, and uh, you know his location's getting a lot better as well. You know, I mean, obviously he threw no hitter earlier this year against the uh, Cleveland baseball team, so. Um, you know, the guy's clearly a very, very talented individual, but he's had, you know, he's had lots and lots of issues. So I can understand where a lot of people are having those, uh, you know, a little bit of those uh, heebie-jeebies with the, uh, you know, with the Rodon thing about his injury history. So, but, you know, then again, you look and the guy only pitched, you know, what, like seven innings last year. And uh, in very bad spots for the most part. And then the season before that, you know, he ended up only pitching 30 and then getting Tommy John or whatever. So, you know, I mean, it's, we'll, we'll see. 
it's nice to see the guy that we thought and that the the organization thought they were getting, you know, back when they drafted him first uh, in the first round. But, uh, you know, like you say, there is uh, something to be said about a guy who hasn't pitched a whole lot the last few seasons. And, uh, you know, there, there are those worries there. But, you know, at the same time, when you talk about saving bullets and, you know, maybe taking a little something off and the maturation process is, is a whole nother thing. But, you know, I got to think that they were probably just managing his, uh, you know, his workload a little bit. He's uh, he hasn't he hasn't given us White Sox a full season in his career. And uh, he finally got a full season under his belt. So, uh, you know, kudos to him. And I'm hoping that he is the guy that, uh, you know, we saw for the better part of the season. So, you know, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about him at the moment. You know, uh, my biggest concern really is still and has been since uh, early in the season is, is the bullpen. Uh, we were told, you know, by the organization and by most of the experts out there, and let me just throw the air quotes up there, the experts that, uh, you know, this was going to be a top-notch, top-of-the-line uh bullpen and uh it looked that way early on we thought that's what it was going to be but uh they've had some struggles and i still kind of worry a little bit about uh you know what's going to happen with those guys and uh you know i'm hoping not to see uh, a whole lot of foster or ruiz if at all you know if they even you know make the uh the roster who knows with uh tony and uh you know we saw tony larusa say the other day that uh Dallas Keuchel was getting a uh, couple innings out of the bullpen the other day, and uh, lo and behold, he can't pitch there either. So, oh, you know, uh, shocker! Right. Spoiler alert: he didn't right. pitch well there either. Right. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, you obviously think that the offense is a bit concerning, but do you have anything that, uh, in your mind, kind of stands out right now as? Something that we should probably, you know, be a little puckered about here. Well, I mean, yeah, the, uh, you know, going two, three, you know, two, three, four, five innings without uh, a hit, that's kind of a big deal. Um, as far as the, as far as the, the pitching goes, um, you know, the road down thing, you know, cons- concerns me a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I was I was actually seeing that there, Kendall. I I just brought brought his audio up a little bit. Um, you know the uh, obviously. I, I mean, you you've heard me say numerous times uh, that uh, Ruiz is not my favorite. Um, I would say that uh, you know the Kimbrel thing is a is a you know is something to be a little bit. Uh, you know, a little, you know, something to watch. I mean, he's had uh, a couple of clean innings and he's looked pretty good in his last, you know, two out of his last three outings, I want to say. Um, but uh, I-, I will say, you know, actually one thing, and I'm not overly concerned about it, it's just something that I've noticed is that uh, Kopech has been giving up quite a few hits. He's gotten a bunch of strikeouts and he's managed to get through his through his outings uh, but I have noticed that there has been uh, 
some uh, some hits put on him lately, and I'm kind of wondering, like, uh, you know, how he's feeling physically. You know, it's a long year, and uh, I'm wondering how he's feeling, but I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily concerned about it. It's just one of those things that, you know, yeah, he's uh, Kendall says Kopech has been shaky pretty much the entire second half, and it, it, that's the thing is that, you know, there's hit or miss type things. You know, it's a, he gives up some base hits and he'll give up a run, but you know, it seems like for the most part that he manages to uh, limit it, limit the damage at least a little bit with giving up, you know, as many hits as he has. So, right, uh, you know, and maybe this is just me because I had been gone and I was in. Uh, was in Mexico for a bit there, and and I haven't had a chance to watch a lot in the last two weeks. Although I did catch a games here just in the last uh, few days or so, uh, but uh, I kind of noticed that uh, the last two times I saw Kopech pitch, it seemed like his velo was down a little bit. Uh, I don't remember seeing him hit triple digits at all in his last two appearances. And uh, there were a few times where his four seamer was only hitting 95, 96. Now, I don't know if that's a gun issue or if that's a, uh, an issue on the broadcast or whatever, but at the same time, I thought, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he's getting a little tired. Maybe he's feeling a little bit of the dead arm or are they managing him to hold back a little bit and be ready for the playoffs as well too? I don't know. And do I have a frozen camera? You do. Yeah. Yeah, you do, but the audio is still working, so I didn't say anything. Okay, all right, all good. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, I love how it, it always seems to happen on. The hey, there we perfect, go. Uh, you know the perfect uh, look for me. <laughs> I'm just gonna start screenshotting all of those when that happens for me. Yeah, I'll save them as. Uh, I'll save them as just like. Uh, I'll save a screenshot of it, and then I'll just put it there where you are every once in a while. You know, just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're gonna we're gonna get that perfect one that's gonna make an awesome emote one day. When we get we get like ninety emotes to work with, we'll just have to throw a frozen Danny emote. Yeah, I need, I need an, ang- an angry an angry an angry Danny probably. Uh, they were uh, Kendall saying that they were saying that uh, Crochet's velo was up to ninety eight, and I, I've seen him uh, somewhere along those lines of uh, ninety seven, ninety eight. He's been he's been uh, he's been starting to creep up a little bit, and. Um, that's where I mean, re- realistically, I mean we we've seen it. That's where he's most effective is when he's when he's really chucking it. So I'm hoping to see some more of that. You know, ideally yeah. that would be what we'd like to see. You know, so um, what do you think, Xavier? Um, not a ton on this. I I do have a lot more for the next couple subjects. I don't want to. You guys are going. Good job with this. <laughs> All right, thank you. Trying to rehash the same thoughts or sound dumb, so I got other thoughts on other things. All right, well, um, I saw there was a uh, a Chris Camp Camca tweet earlier tonight that uh, I particularly found to be uh, stunning. Um, just kind of. Uh, one of those things where I'm just like, holy crap, you know, this season has been uh, ridiculous. In in uh, Yasmani Grandal, like the season that he's had, 
we we you know uh, Z- Xavier, you tre- you've tweeted about it uh, recently with uh, you know just the uh, absurdity of his numbers since he's coming back from injury. But the thing about that is is that if you look back uh, over the entire season, just his entire season. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, we get him back. All right, there we go. Um, I think it said that he was, uh, like he's one of like, what, like four guys or something like that, um, that have, uh, walked 80 times, um, and, uh, struck out less times than that they've, than they've walked. Um, I think that's had 20. So White Sox with 20 plus home runs, 80 walks and more walks than strikeouts. That's what it was. Yeah. Asmani, Brian Thomas, uh, Ventura, Minosa, Kuhil. Uh, those were the five. And then Frank Thomas did it nine times and Ventura twice. Yeah, Frank Thomas was pretty good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, one of the with Yasmani, um, obviously this last two months have been absurd. But right before his injury, he started to find his bat a little bit and uh, at the end of the year, the everyone was like, oh, this sub-200 guy, whatever. Like, average is something people look at. Some don't, some do not. But at the end of the season, it kind of was near his uh, career averages. So that wasn't even a big deal. Yeah, exactly. As uh, as Bozy says, uh, batting average. Urgh. Yeah, um, you know we're we're big huge fans of the uh, of the batting average thing here. Um, yeah, I don't know I don't know who uh, Cool is either. Uh, he's from the 1940s. Uh, his season of 20 plus home runs with 80 plus walks and more walks and strikeouts was 1940. So um, yeah, I'm not uh, I am not familiar with uh, Mr. Cool, uh, who is not Mr. Freeze, uh, Danny. AKA Mr. Freeze. So <laughs> Yeah, so um hey, call yeah. me Mr. Potato Head. Uh the other uh the other one who has been just out of his mind, Luis Robert. I mean, just insane. Oh, that boy can swing it. Man, he can swing it. Yeah, that home run he hit the other night, uh, I don't know, it was like 483 feet or something like that into uh, left field. I mean, just insane. Guy just That guy just hits the baseball hard. Uh, there was uh, a quote from uh, Frank Menachino that said that uh, apparently he wants to hit more home runs just because he feels like he should. And so... Uh, he just decided to hit more home runs, and then we get blessed with a couple of uh, absolute monstrosities over the last couple of days. Um, and, uh, yeah, he struck out four times the other night, and uh, apparently he was super pissed, so he came out the next day and just hit, you know, a monster. So um, he he's kind of one of those things that uh, – one of those guys that um, – you hope takes that next step and becomes, you know, that guy that's always in the MVP conversation. I mean, one can uh, hope. I I think uh, as long as the health uh, stays, I, that's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, he truly is. The, he's the definition of a five-tool player. Uh, you know, my, Mr. Uh, Donuts 33, 
uh, our very own Mark Orr was uh, hanging out with me at the house Friday night, and we had a conversation about uh, Luis Robert. And uh, a part of that conversation was just how he glides. He's got that ability to glide to the outfield. Doesn't even look like he's running hard. Same thing on the base pass. Doesn't look like he's running hard. And you blink and he's on third, you know. Uh, but, I mean, him mashing baseballs, I, uh, I'm i of the opinion that he can be a, a 30-30, 40-40 maybe even kind of guy with his speed. Uh, I don't know that I would like to see him sacrifice, uh, you know, his hit tool a little bit to try to, you know, get more launch angle on balls. And like you said, when you start seeing the strikeouts pile up, uh, you know, when you got a guy like him who can get on base so many different ways, uh, I think I would prefer to see the on base average up, but when he's mashing balls to hit the concourse, it's a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Uh, Kendall says that he's really not stealing anymore. And I mean, to, to be fair, uh, a forty forty guy. I mean, he doesn't have to. You know, he's only got to steal a base. You know, once every great while, really, to uh, to be able to hit that forty forty mark. And I know it did come up the other day. Uh, I think in premium the other day, some guy asked if a White Sox had ever had a forty forty player, and the answer is no. And uh, I brought up that uh, the White Sox have only one time had a thirty thirty, and that was Bobby Bonds, and. Uh, he was technically only on the White Sox for 26 games that year. Uh, he played the rest of the season with the Rangers. So, um, yeah, does that even really count? Yeah, I, you know, that's uh, what, like uh, 15% or I guess like 20% of the season. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't really count. Uh, he did most of his damage with the Rangers. So, um, yeah, Kendall brings up that the Sox are not holding the runners is a concern. And, yeah, that's one thing that has really – and it's one of those things that they've really been talking about a lot over the last uh, over the last week. Um, I find it kind of strange that, they, that they're just bringing this up now considering it's been a thing all year long. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder um, – if is is the the non use of uh, a slide step is that a uh, is that a, a an Ethan Katz thing? Because I I've heard uh, I've heard mixed messages on it that uh, that a slide step is less healthy for your arm because you you have less time to uh, to load up and uh, you're using less of your body to get that velocity that you're looking for. Um, is that is that a cat's thing? Is that a, a biometric? You know, like a biomechanical thing? Is that uh, that's uh, it's a concern? Not, uh, a concern thought of mine is that it's a a concerted well, effort I'm, to not do the slide step because they are trying to keep guys healthy. I, I there's definite possibility on that. I mean, I can see how you know changing your mechanics in that sort of way can be detrimental to, you know, the body. But my other thing is they really don't throw to first. They don't, they don't use a no, no, Nobody in the team has a pickoff move. There isn't a single on a team, the single guy on a team that's got a pickoff move. That's even close to threatening. And you don't necessarily have to be threatening with a pickoff move. You just got to put the runner back on the bag. 
you got to get them to take that half a step back towards first base to keep them from getting that big jump. And they don't do a lot of that either. Uh, you know, I remember early in the season seeing uh, Yasmani throw to first from home plate to bring guys back to let them know that he was watching a handful of times. But, you know, as we all know, Yasmani had the uh, knee issue and, and wasn't quite right. And that all of a sudden stopped. And, you know, honestly, you're not really seeing much of anything. We're not seeing anybody really. You rarely even see the guys look towards the bag, to be honest with you. They kind of give that pause when they're in the stretch. They give a little bit of a pause. You might see a, a quick, you know, tilt of a head. But it's it's. Not too often that you see much of a look to even at first base at all, to be honest with you. And that is quite concerning because there's things you can do that are outside of the mechanics of a slide step. You, you know, kind of keep runners honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you even saw, I mean, you even saw it the other day, uh, Dylan Cease. Um, they threw a pitch out. And uh, gave, you know, it was a great pitch for a pitch out and uh, still didn't manage to throw the guy out at second. And, and Yaz chucked it pretty good. I mean, it was a nice it was a nice toss. I mean, it was right on the money. Uh, but the issue is, is that uh, they're just getting too good of jumps when you got these speedsters out there. You know, like, I mean, not that uh, we have to worry about that uh, this this season, but uh, like a like a like a Tony Tony Kemp type of guy. I heart X-Man. Thank you for the follow, sir. Yeah, a little your mean dance for you there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you just wonder, you know, is it an organizational uh, choice that they're just going after the hitters more so than worrying about the, the, the guys that get on base? And if so, you know, like uh, we see, we see it quite often um, where, you know, say like uh, Giolito, you know, uh, he'll walk a guy, first guy in the inning, guy ends up stealing second base, and then there's a single, and then, you know, just like the, the other game, you know, we're down one nothing, you know? And, uh, you know, not that, you know, you know, Giolito's a stud, you know? I got no worries really about Giolito. However, that's kind of one of those things that, you know, like I I've seen it quite a few times, so it just makes me wonder, is it a – organizational thing or is it you know is it, is it just a choice that they just decide that they're going to go after the hitter instead of the runner and not worry about the runner on base just so that way they can focus their attention to what's going on at the plate well i guess you know the only way to answer that question is is we're going to have to do everything we can to get uh, mr Katz on the show here in the offseason <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> we'll see um what do you think, Xavier? What do I think? What do I think? Um, that is the question. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, I'm just on this. I'm, I'm going to have to say it's probably, I feel like it's a trust in their guys because if, if they, they want that, I feel like they just want them to focus on the batter because of how, much confidence they have with what they've been taught in their pitching and to not worry like because it's going to be they, they give up walks and hits enough to where why not focus on the one out you can get 
through pitching because you don't know what can happen in the field, so just focus on the batter at the time. Yeah, I'd that say that's sense. fair. Um, you know, I, it, like I said, you know, could be just an organizational thing that they're just deciding that they're going to go after the hitter and not worry about the worry about the runners as much because they feel that uh, the concentration on the hitter is more uh, better, well spent than you know chucking over to first every two seconds. So, I mean, that's entirely possible. Um, uh, so, wh- what do you got, Xavier? You got a, you got something uh, that's next on your list that you would uh, like uh, to bring up? Uh, later on in the show, I, I know we got the rosters coming out, so I came here ready with mine, and maybe by the end of it I'll come up with a lineup. But uh, one of the things, obviously, today the news broke for uh, the – Relief pitcher of the month for AL was given to Liam Hendricks. Uh, Liam Hendricks has won it now twice this season, and prior to that, it's a newer award. Uh, no White Sox player has received it. But the season he's had, there's a couple rocky, rocky weeks or a little little moments throughout the season where he, he obviously was giving off a ton of home runs, but uh, he's had an absurd season. Uh, he now has. The best strikeout per walk ratio ever. I think it was 113 strikeouts to just seven walks. Yeah, he's in the uh, top 99% in both uh, K rate and walk rate, which is, uh, I don't believe, ever happened before. Um, and I think he's like the uh, the first guy to uh, strike up strike out over 100 and, 100 and, you know, only walk seven guys. So, I mean, like, Guy's pretty insane, and uh, as Bozy is mentioning in the chat, there's uh, there is a slight yep. movement uh, that uh, has come up over the last uh, couple of weeks, which is uh, Hendricks for the Cy Young. Which um, I don't know if you guys saw or not, but uh, Bill James, uh, Mister Sabermetrics himself, uh, he has a formula that says that Liam Hendricks is the runaway favorite should be the runaway favorite for the Cy Young award. I think he's at uh 173 rating on his uh on his computation and I think the closest other guy is at like 132 or 134 and I think it's Garrett Cole. So I mean that's just that's a, that's a, you know if there is a gap of 40 in between Hendricks and Cole. And, I mean, we know that uh, Cole's pretty stinking good. So you have to imagine that if he's at 130-something, that uh, being at 170 is awfully good. <laughs> so... Uh, you don't say. <laughs> do you think he... Do you, I mean, do we think that he actually gets consideration for this? Uh, he's a reliever. Mm-hmm. So... I think, I think it's gaining steam. I, I saw this uh, uh, like last week a little bit about people trying to bring up the subject. And I feel enough of the people who vote kind of have an idea of that his of his numbers and that there's potential that a relief pitcher could win this award. But we're not used to seeing. It's not common for a uh, relief pitcher to earn the Cy Young. And I feel like a lot of uh, things that. MLB might post or talk about when it comes to the Cy Young race. It's always the ones that 
It's like wins, which don't fully matter to the pitcher. Uh, ERA, strikeouts, innings. Um, those are the big ones that come to mind. But uh, obviously a relief pitcher is not going to always be in those subjects because they're not a starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of have to agree with that, that too. Uh, you know, let's just look at another guy who's on the White Sox team who hasn't had the, you know, the best of moments since he's gotten here and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can go back and look at some of his seasons as a closer, uh, particularly when he was striking out, you know, 200 a season. And uh, how many Cy Youngs does he have? Zero. Yeah, he's right. He's not been in that 99 slash 99 percentile. Like you said, it's the yeah. first time it's ever been done, but I do believe that the, uh, the, the, the folks, the Writers Association, and the people that uh, that vote on these things uh, for Cy Young, kind of, like Xavier said, they tend to overlook relief pitchers. Uh, and uh, it's unfortunate because you do have some of these guys that are the heart and soul of their team. But I think it's, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is saves de are dependent on uh, whether or not your team has a lead. Uh, and I think that that plays a big factor in, you know, why some of these guys aren't getting looked at. Because let's be honest, there's a handful of closers that have been out there in the league over the years that may have been the best or in the top three for, you know, many years at a time and weren't always on the best team. They didn't have the, you know, the saves piling up. But these are some of the most dudley pitchers you would, you know, find. And uh, it's unfortunate that it works out that way. But I think the, you know, the voters aren't really taking those things into consideration. So that's just my two cents. Well, for uh, for reference for everybody that is listening, only nine relievers have ever won the Cy Young Award. And there's some there's some big names in there. Uh, Bruce Suter, Raleigh Fingers, uh, Steve Bedrosian, Dennis Eckersley, and the last guy to do it was Eric Gagne in 2003. Uh, steroids. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it doesn't happen very often, and uh, when it does happen, though, I mean, like we're talking big seasons. Uh, the you know, like most of them are guys that uh, either uh, you know made super deep runs in the playoffs or uh, won the World Series. So um, there's some some. Uh, I mean. Again, you know, uh, he, he leads the AL in saves, uh, and his walk rate and K rate are absurd, but is it going to be enough to, uh, to to really put him up over the top, you know, over the likes of a uh, Robbie Ray or Garrett Cole? I don't know. That's that's a that's going to be or a Lance tough one. Or Carlos Rodon. Well, yeah, of course, but I mean, they, like that, they ought to be in the, they ought to be in the conversation at least. Still, they, although I guess Rodon hasn't had enough innings. See, that's so. the thing is that uh, both of them had uh, some recent uh, IL stints, so I think that that kind of uh, you know tanked the award for both of those guys. Both of them, you know, like with. Uh, you know, Lance with his uh, his knee, and then uh, Carlos with his dead arm. You know, uh, probably ended up torpedoing both of their chances to do. You know, to do the. You know, whatever bar is set for. You know, 
a pitcher to to receive it, you know, regardless of the innings. But you know, like you know, I mean, obviously Carlos Rodon, his numbers are phenomenal, but you know, his inning count is probably going to be what's going to lose him, you know, uh, that award. You know, and I, I mean, I would assume that he's got enough innings to get the award because if a reliever's won it before, you know, he should be he should be okay with his 140 innings or whatever it is that he has. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what, uh, you know, he doesn't pitch on the East Coast. So, you know, I'd say, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, that, that bias is real. And uh, I don't care what anybody says here. There's no way you're going to ever talk me out of that. But I digress. Yeah, no, it's a, that's I mean that is a completely valid thing that uh you know, I mean MLB's right over there right near New York and Boston. So, I mean that's immediately going to uh you know, it seems like there always seems to be like some sort of a a focus on there and uh most of the writers that are uh the either the writers or the uh the co-hosts or whatever, most of them are, you know, you know, East Coast guys or Dodger guys. It seems to be the way the the way it goes is that they're either Dodgers or they were Yankees or they were Braves or Red Sox. You know, like that's just the that's just the seems to be the uh, on air talent seems to be most of the time. So I think that that uh, you know, just uh, everybody getting their uh, their heads pounded for six months straight. That you know, Garrett Cole this, Garrett Cole that. I mean, yeah, the guy's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's not the only guy. That's that's the problem. That's the problem I have. But he will be the only guy that. Well, I shouldn't say he'll be the only guy that you hear about, but he'll be the guy you hear about the most just because of where he is. But uh, yeah, you know, he is pretty good. I I, I wouldn't be mad if he uh, was on my team. Yeah, I, you know, like there's the 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 Robbie Ray discussion as well from quite a few people that uh, you know that. Robbie Ray has has done it, and and I can't disagree there either because he's been phenomenal. Uh, but um, he uh, he's not in the playoffs, so there's that. Um, they uh, did win their last game, but unfortunately, so did the Yankees, and so did the Red Sox. So uh, they are not there. Um, no, and I agree with I agree with you, Kendall. Uh, he's he's not worth the money, but. Well, I don't know if I wouldn't say he's not worth the money, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out in the long run. So far, he's uh, he's been pretty good, you know, before and since signing that contract. So, uh, you know, as that contract plays out, you probably will be right, you know, but uh, I don't know. I still wouldn't be mad at having him on my team. I'm not saying I would have given him the money that he got, but I would not be, I would not be mad to have him on my team. That's all I'm saying. You know, money aside. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like the the that's the issue with a with a Garrett Cole is that uh, that you're gonna pay for for that, and the Yankees did, and uh, it's worked out well for them. Um, you know, to a point. Um, I mean, is he worth uh, thirty four million dollars or whatever it is that he's making per year? Probably not. But uh, I tell you what, if he wasn't there, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. So, I mean, 
you know, the fact that they made it by the skin of their teeth on the very last game of the season, um, you know, for what financially that playoff berth is going to bring to the Yankees, if he had not been there and they didn't make the playoffs, um, the amount of money that they would lose, I would say that it, it is worth it, you know? And for the fact that he's uh, one of the top three in the Cy Young conversation, you know, you're going to pay for having that kind of uh, output, you know? Yeah, I mean the guy. I mean, there's there is no doubting that the that the guy is a stud. You know, um, you know, sticky stuff or not, you know, whatever you want to say about that, and you know, his stupid answers when asked about it. You know, um, you know, put that aside. The guy's still a monster, regardless. You know, and now you know, like if everybody stopped using the sticky stuff, now you're seeing that he's still putting up really close to those same numbers, and. Uh, you know, it puts him so far ahead of, you know, so many other people that uh, may have been there in the, you know, in the other case, if they had had the sticky stuff. So who knows, you know? Um, uh, let's see. A1 and done doesn't net you $34 million. Well, I mean, if they do, yeah, if they do the, if they do the wild card game and they lose the wild card game, yeah, that's not, I mean, well... That one game might make you thirty-four million dollars, but I mean, it's not going to offset the costs of, uh, you know, of paying his salary. However, you know, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs at all without him there, which you know, if he's not there, odds are they're not making the playoffs. And I would say that uh, that what he has brought would certainly net them far more than he is costing them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when you break it down that way, uh, it makes sense. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm all about just seeing where the rest of his, uh, you know, where the rest of his years go before I make a judgment on that at all, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, you know, I'm with Kendall on this one. Uh, I don't think I would have signed him for that kind of money, but uh, I might have given him close. I would, I might have given him 30. I would have taken that risk. You know, I don't know. It's not my money. It's not my team. I don't pay the bills. Like I said, my only point was that uh, if he played for my team, I sure as heck would be uh, out there rooting him on every time he was out there pitching, and I'd be dang happy about it. Uh, You know, but that's neither here nor there. He's not. So, you know, it it is what it is. Um, Now, we speak about those guys that you talked about, you know, if you want a Garrett Cole or, uh, his, you know, that type of talent and pitcher, you have to pay for him. Right. It's pretty much what you said. So we've talked about this a little bit already on the show a few weeks ago, but, uh, you know, with the resurgence of Carlos Rodon and his 3 million, let me say that again, $3 million contract this year. Uh, for him to even be considered in the uh, Cy Young uh, conversation, you know, this late in the season or going up into the, you know, into the point where he had, uh, you know, missed some innings. Uh, what kind of cost? And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you Xavier, cause I think Ian and I talked about this already on the stream, but what kind of cost do you suspect would it take to uh, bring Hard Carl back to the White Sox next year? Uh, and uh, you know, I, I just consider all the uh, all his past seasons. But what he did this year, 
Do you think he gets paid well? <clears throat> I think there's going to be a slight jump. Uh, if I'm correct, isn't his... Yep, Scott Boris is his agent. Um, I feel like anytime you have to deal with him, you might have to be digging out of a pocket, especially after a better season. Um, maybe the final couple months come into question, but you're definitely not paying $3 million next year. Oh, no, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I guess I uh, like uh, my what what I, th- I what I said. Uh, Xavier was uh, three three years, thirty six million is what I said. About twelve million dollars a year is what I was thinking because you know you still had that uh, you still had the IL stint and you saw his velo drop. Is somebody going to be willing to give him more than three years? I kind of doubt it just because of the injury history. Um, but I mm-hmm. still think that he's going to get a, a decent amount of money, uh, just because you. I mean, what, you got like a two point three ERA or something like that somewhere around there. I mean, you you can't find that anywhere at all. I mean, you you literally cannot find that anywhere at all. Uh, and he did it this year. So, and I, I, business sports is business, obviously. But I feel after. Taking the chance on him last year, I don't know how many teams were looking at him, but uh, for the White Sox to bring him in after all they went through and to still keep him, and I feel there there might be a little bit something still there where I feel that's a good number twelve, uh, where the he'll take that to come stay another three years. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Uh, you know, and you know, like you said, you don't know who's looking at him last year. I feel like it couldn't have been too many teams looking at him last year. I know the Cubs definitely Sox- offered uh, offered him a contract, and he took less to stay. Yeah, which is cool, you know, and that's kind of unheard of for a Boris client. So that's kind of promising, you know. Maybe he wants to stay with the White Sox. He sees how this team is built, and he sees maybe it's his best opportunity, at least at the moment to uh, get into playoffs and, and hopefully go deep into the playoffs. Um, I can't imagine that Han and company wouldn't try to work some of that magic that they do to try to keep him around. But, you know, when you talk about the teams that might have been interested in them last year, okay, so we know the Cubs, you know, we obviously have said that. Uh, but it, it, for the White Sox to release him and then sign him, again, after being released for, for much less, uh, says a little something about what the team, what the league in general thought about him, uh, you know, and his injury history. I can't imagine that that still doesn't play a role in the thought process this coming season. Now, this year, obviously, is the outlier for his career because it's the first time in his career that he's actually pitched an entire season without missing significant time. You know, uh, he's made it through entire seasons before, but he's had stints where, you know, he went out with a shoulder or a back. Uh, more often it was the bursitis issues. But uh, I have to think still that, uh, you know, he's going to look again. He's going to have to look hard at who is all making these offers to him in the off season and uh, what role he's going to play on these teams. If it's a team that's a contender, he might take that discount, especially if it's the hometown White Sox. So I don't really know. I don't want to prognosticate too much 
and I don't want to stay on it too long. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, you just kind of hope. You kind of hope because if he can be that Garrett Cole type, and we can get him for cheap because of his history, well, be pretty dang happy about that too. But what is cheap? Well, less than thirty-four million dollars a year. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I, you can't, I can't disagree with that. Um, but I mean, uh, I, like, are we looking at like uh, a twelve, or are we looking at sixteen or eighteen? I mean, you paid, you're paying eighteen million dollars to Dallas Keuchel, right? Which uh, you may have to uh, eat because I, unless unless he shows something in the off season and during the you know maybe preseason next year, I can't imagine him being on this team next season. Uh, you know, we talk about this team and, and the, you know, the wins that they have right now and how Pakota projected them to be, you know, well under what they actually ended up with in the season. And we've, we've talked about TLR all season and some of the really dumb decisions he's made and how often he's had to uh, take the responsibility on his shoulders after the fact, which, uh, you know, was kind of baffling and disturbing, but, uh, you know, we could factor Keuchel into that that number as well too. And uh, he has not been the pitcher that we had hoped for or the pitcher that he was even last year. So I can't imagine him being on this team next year. You're probably going to have to eat some of his money to get rid of him, if not all of them, just to, all of it, just to release him. Uh, I don't know what the penalty would be for that, but uh, yeah, that's going to suck and that's going to hurt. Yeah, as I just mentioned, uh, you know, Kendall broke up that Keuchel only affects them next year. And, yeah, that's true. But it's only true if he doesn't reach uh, his 330 innings because if he reaches his 330 innings total over over his, you know, three years, then yeah. the fourth year is a uh, foregone conclusion and then we're going to still have to pay him $18 million. So, or whatever, whatever it is, his price in 2023. So... Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm of the opinion that I think that, uh, you know, they're going to try and do what they can to try and get rid of him. Now, as Kendall says, they're not going to release him, and I I agree with that. I don't think that they'll outright release him because you're not going to release him when he's making $18 million. I mean, you can release a a $7, $8 million player like a uh, Adam Eaton, or, you know, like four or five million dollars like a Yonder Alonzo or three million dollars like a John Jay. You can get rid of that and not feel too terrible about it. But eighteen million dollars, they're not just letting him walk. Right. And that's pretty much why I said you're you're going to have to uh, eat some of his contract because the chances are you're not going to release him, but you're going to find somewhere to dump him. You almost have to. And somebody will take him. There's going to be one of these rebuilding teams that are going to take a, a nice, you know, 50% deal on him where they only got to pay him eight, $9 million as opposed to eight or, you know, $18 million and, you know, cut that, uh, cut that salary down for their rebuild, whatever. There's going to be those yeah. teams that are out there that are going to be willing to do that. Uh, but you know, just, it, it's a matter of how much are the White Sox going to have to eat and either way it's going to hurt. It, it concerns me a little bit. Uh, Cause there are some holes on this team that you would love to see plugged. Uh, I know a few people out there to think that those holes can be plugged in house, which, okay, fine. But, uh, you know, I would still like to, you know, at least have a shot at something on the market for some of those holes. And, uh, you know, the payroll's not getting any smaller. Uh, there is still some room there, but you know, 
uh, history shows that we're probably not going to max out that payroll, and uh, they're going to be shrewd about how they do things. So, yeah, having to eat anything kind of sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, like personally I was of the uh, the feeling I, I wanted Ryu when that whole thing was going down, and uh, we signed Keiko, and I was kind of like, uh, you know, but then I was pleasantly surprised last year, but, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. Uh, it's tr- Truthsayer says uh, hopefully he just retires after getting his brains beat in, and then Kendall men- mentions later on he's making too much to retire. You know, I mean, he is uh, – engaged to uh a lady from uh, MLB network so uh he's got to make some money to uh be able to uh afford you know whatever's going on there so uh i can't say that he's going to retire and not uh not take that uh free 18 million dollars i'm just saying um on schedule to pay 160 million yeah they i mean they do have room to add. I would agree, um, Kendall. But uh, I mean, this is the uh, this is the question, you know, that's uh, been, you know, one of those uh, White Sox fans' questions for years. You know, it's like, uh, are they going to spend more money? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it could be that they think that they're, you know, like they're at a spot where the people that they are bringing up and, you know, as you spoke to about, uh, you know, filling needs internally, do they feel that they're at a spot where they can fill the needs internally and be a perennial contender? And I mean, I'd say that, uh, pretty much, you know, like what you saw, what you got from Keiko this year, um, and they're still going to the playoffs, you know? So, I mean, are they going to, uh, you know, now here here is another question to ask, though, is that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, is that can you really expect uh, what you got out of the role players this year? Can you really expect that to uh, to be a thing next year as well? And I mean, obviously, we're hoping that we don't have to contend with the uh, Luis Robert uh, Aloy Jimenez um type injuries, uh, Yasmani injuries, uh, Madrigal injury, you know, like we're hoping that that's not going to be a thing that we're going to have to worry about next year in order to force that kind of a, uh, you know, a, uh, help from a role player, uh, that role from a role player, if you will. Um, but, uh, I mean, can you really expect that kind of a performance out of guys that are coming and filling in for you? And I, I, I mean, to me, it seems like a uh, unrealistic, you know, expectation from a role player uh, when thinking about filling in internally. You know. Well, my concern is not so much the pitching uh, at this particular moment because, you know, let's just say they do unload Dallas Keuchel somewhere. Uh, you know, let's let's not talk about the money. Let's forget about all that. Uh, that leaves a spot in the rotation open. Correct. And we've been hearing for years that Michael Kopech is going to crack the rotation at some point. Uh, I believe he will probably be the first guy in line for a rotation spot. So if we're looking to fill holes in the offseason, it's got to be those position players or, you know, shore up that bullpen that was supposed to be so awesome this season that, you know, showed some signs of uh, not being so great. 
Uh, it was mentioned earlier in the chat that Bummer seems to have finally found himself, which is awesome because he was a guy who was uh, probably maybe the most solid piece of the uh, bullpen last season. Um, and, uh, you know, but you've got these holes where you just, you can't depend on the same three guys to do it every single day. Uh, and we can't continue, you know, this has been talked about on the show on social media, pretty much everywhere. You can't continue to put some of these guys that are, uh, you know, low end relievers in high leverage situations. So you got to look at that. And then, like you mentioned, there's the, you know, the position player thing. Um, you know, we talked about right field a lot this season. You know, after, you know, we going back to the offseason, obviously it's been a, it's been a point of contention for Sox fans for a few years now. You know, are we ever going to get a right fielder that can, you know, do both play the field at least adequately and hit the ball? at least adequately. Yeah. And uh, we haven't had a whole lot of either. Uh, you know, there's the Adam Angle argument, but we all know that, you know, he's uh, he's probably uh, better suited as a fourth, you know, as a defensive replacement. Uh, he has improved season after season after season, but he's still not that guy that at least I feel comfortable with starting every day out there. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly capable. The issue, I mean, uh, as we've mentioned on here before, is that the guy's had so many, you know, DL slash IL stints, you know, and, you know, he disappears for a month. And that doesn't seem like something that I want to, you know, hang a bunch of uh, hopes on. You know, I, I like him. He's a, he's a great outfielder. And, you know, when given, uh, you know, some decent amount of at-bats, he, he's Put up some, you know, okay numbers. Uh, just the issue being that, uh, you know, can he stay healthy? And that's, I mean, he hasn't shown the ability to do be, to be able to do that. Unfortunately, you know, uh, I would like, you know, I, I would love to see him out there for, you know, 115, 120 games out of the year. But I mean, as you saw this year, you know, he's he's missed what like 80 games, something like that this year. So yeah. I mean, you he know, comes off the IL and goes right back on. Exactly, and that's you and know? it's not uncommon for what he's done. You know, he's he's done that a couple of times. So, and, and you know, them them hammies once they start happening, it seems like they take a long time to go away. If 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 they ever completely go away for a lot of guys, yeah. And that's my concern with Adam Angle. Uh, is it ever really going to be? what it was and is he ever going to feel a hundred percent and not have to worry about that issue anymore. And that concerns me, Um, you know, and then we, you know, we have other guys that have played right field pretty handily uh, this season. You know, we, we Gavin sheets, for example, I'd rather see him in a DH role, but he's been serviceable as a, as a right fielder. Uh, Maybe it barely is fielding. Isn't exactly phenomenal. But he makes plays, uh, you know, as long as Abreu is still playing first base, you know, Andrew Vaughn has been, you know, decent in the outfield. And if we're going to if we're going to see Eloy playing left field on an everyday basis, you know, where do you put Andrew Vaughn? So, uh, you know, those those guys can play right field. Sure. But I really, really would love to see the White Sox get an everyday Right fielder, a guy that can start 150, 155 games out there every season, you know, put up some decent numbers at the plate. 
give me, you know, give me a 750, 800 OPS for an entire season and drive in some runs and hit a few dingers and, and play a decent right field. I'd be happy with that. Uh, just give me that level of consistency where I feel comfortable watching that every day, day in and day out. Uh, I don't know that they have that in the organization. We've got a bunch of guys in the minors that are, you know, trying to vie for that spot. But again, they're minor leaguers, and some of them have what seems like have spent entire careers in the minors, even though they might still be, you know, in their mid twenties. Uh, you know, obviously, it feels like they've spent an entire career in the minors because they haven't put it all together yet. You know, regardless of what the numbers look like this year. So, and then that, you know, the next question obviously is this. Second base is a, is another thing. Do we want to see Cesar Hernandez, you know, next year? Well, I mean, from what he's shown for his career is that he's a two forty hitter with a good glove. You know, I mean, and uh, I, I would certainly hope that most people would want more than that. You know, I mean, you, you're looking for a uh, you know like a two and a half WAR kind of guy. I mean, realistically, that's about. Uh, I know that they say zero point zero zero is the uh, or zero point zero WAR is like the uh, the average major leaguer, but uh, replacement level I believe is like what two two WAR something like that. Um, so, I mean, you're literally just looking at above, you know, replacement level with that. And uh, I would hope that we would ask for more. Um, in chat, uh, Kendall says he doesn't think he sees the Sox shelling out big money uh, for a position player, too many internal options, and that there are, tra- you know, cheap, cheaper trade options. I suggested uh, swapping Keuchel and Kimbrell for Harper. I think that that's fair. Uh, you know, because we're giving them much more salary uh, next year than we'd be spending. So I, that sounds like a, we'd actually get like what, like, uh, you know, like $10 million back if we if we traded for Harper. It seems like a great deal to me. Um, I also mentioned uh, look out for Romy. went back down to AAA and killed it. I mean, I wouldn't say that he really killed it. He only played uh, two games, I think. So, I mean, I wouldn't say killed it. I mean, he did hit, uh, you know, he hit a home run one of the games. I mean, I'm not saying that what he did was bad. It's just I couldn't necessarily classify as killing it. But, I mean, you know, the guy's a a solid baseball player, and I'm in his corner, and uh, I'm all for him uh, getting a shot, you know, to uh, replace. This is is another one that's going to be a uh, – a powder keg for uh, disagreements on on uh, Twitter and uh, the Facebooks and such. Uh, Larry Garcia. There oh, are Lord. some people that are I absolutely in love with this dude, and you know, like I, I am not discounting what he has done for the White Sox this year. He has filled in everywhere, and he, you know, he's been pretty decent for the most part. Not to mention right field yesterday, where he. Ugh. <laughs> you know, screwed up, you know, like uh, twice uh, in the very beginning of the game. But, uh, you know, like there are uh, – th- this is going to be one of those things is that he's up for his uh, final year of arbitration. And, uh, you know, like they're they're projecting him to make like $7.5 million or something like that next year. And do you really see the White Sox spending $7.5 million on Larry Garcia now? Keep this in mind. Also, we paid Adam Eaton $8 million this year. Just keep that in mind when you think about that number. I mean, like, the number's not that huge of a number, 
you know, because I mean, you know, it was looked at as we got uh, eaten as a as a bargain, you know, outfielder. So, do you keep a Leori, considering that Tony says that he's an everyday player who plays different positions? He's not a he's not a, a platoon, you know. Utility the ding and dent sale, and it was like going to the grocery store and picking up, uh, you know, cans of uh, non-perishables with dents in them for cheap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean we were not a fan of the. Uh, ah, yeah, exactly. Another, true say. Mm. Uh, true Sayer mentioned earlier, and uh, I was uh, too busy in a in a. Uh, stuck in a rut there uh, to mention that he says Kopec, Crochet, and Raylo have to be considered to be back in the mix as well. And, uh, you know, like here, here's the, the issue with Co- uh, Crochet and Kopec is that they haven't been stretched out in, you know, a long time now. You know, uh, Crochet, you know, came from college, lockdown year, uh, like only threw a few innings in college, and then he came here and threw some relief innings. Same thing this year. Uh, Kopech, you know, with Tommy John, the guy hasn't pitched like a, a full season and actually gotten like a real workload in, what, like three years now? So, you know, I, I don't know is that we can necessarily pencil them in as, as uh, full-time starters for next year just because they have haven't gotten the work in ages. Now, Raylo, on the other hand, if he continues to pitch, you know, competently, you know, somewhere around like a four ERA or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a better option than, uh, Kiuchel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you got to think that at some point, like, when do you take the reins off of Kopech? You know, uh, he's going to have to get stretched out somehow. Uh, they try to do it a little bit this season with giving them multiple innings out of the bullpen, uh, giving them the little spot start here and there. Uh, you know, I got to think that he's going to continue to work out in the off season. Uh, at some point they gotta, they gotta let him go. They gotta let him loose. They, you know, that's what he was drafted for. They're not going to keep him in the bullpen forever, but you know, I don't know. Guys have made careers out of pitching out of the bullpen as well, but you know, it's, difficult to draft a guy in the first round in you know the top 10 picks or less and say that we spent a you know we spent a top 10 draft pick on a guy who's going to pitch out of a bullpen he's going to pay he's going to start at some point it's just when a matter of when yeah i mean i'm hoping i mean like that's one thing that i'm hoping for and you know they did uh they did let him go three innings uh on sunday and uh you know he only uh, what did he do? He ended up, you know, giving up a run with two hits, but he did strike out six. So, I mean, you know, there's, you know, as uh, Kendall mentions, in 90 innings with a deep playoff run, you can build on that. There's definitely something to build on. Um, it's just how much are they going to let him, str- you know, how much are they going to stretch him out, you know? Like, uh, it's, it's to that point now where uh, if you don't use him as a starter next year, you're wasting your investment. You know, yeah, and you know, I uh, I'm kind of on the Braves uh, school of thought with the uh, John Schmoltz vacation in the middle of the season that they so often did with him. Uh, you know, Smoltzy would go out, and I'm not comparing Michael Kopech to John Smoltz at all. 
by it. any means. Yeah, it's, do it. It's early. <laughs> it's yeah. early in his. It's a little early in his career, but uh, let's just say that I uh, think he's vaccinated, you know. so we can't like fully compare them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, but yeah, you know, he used to get a vacation every year. He, you know, he'd get a hangnail, and they'd send him down for however long, and uh, you know, let him go throw like a two or three innings, you know, down in their farm system while he uh, gave his arm a rest. I can see that kind of thing happening with Michael Kopech where maybe he pitches the first half. And then, oh, I don't know, July, he gets a mysterious, you know, blister and uh, sits for, you know, a few weeks, that type of thing. I don't know. But uh, I I do believe that he will be starting at some point next season. He will be in the rotation. Okay, so then Crochet. You know, that, I think you only got so many, you know, you only got so many starting rotation spots open. So I think crochet, uh, I think crochet could benefit from one more season in the pen, especially seeing as how he has not gotten his velocity up to what, you know, what it was all season this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this also, you know, a bunch as well is that, you know, is that a, uh, is that an organizational thing or is that, uh, you know, that they were actually truthfully telling him not to throw, you know, 102 and not go all out to save his arm. And now that we see that he's ramping back up to 98 ish, that he's starting to, uh, try and get some of that, uh, you know, elite velocity back and that he's going to start chucking it at, uh, you know, 102 miles an hour again. I don't know. I, so this is one of those things where we're going to find out whether any of these uh, conspiracy theories that were bandied about on Twitter and uh, social media, if any of them hold any hold any water, you know? Oh, we're going to find out this week. This week, because if you're going to let this guy go, it's happening right now. Yeah. If it doesn't happen right now and we find out later that they were holding the bank in the playoffs, then they're, you're going to have pitchforks and, and torches. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to hold him back at this point. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, if he's been throwing 95, 96 the entire season, you know, just waiting to sit, you know, quote unquote, uh, Ashley Rodon save those bullets, you know, like now, now, you know, Crochet comes out and starts throwing serious gas, then, you know, then we're like, okay, that's what it was, is that they were telling him to, you know, slowly ramp it up during the season to build up his arm strength. That's entirely possible as well. I guess we'll see as, uh, you know, within the next couple of days, Thursday, maybe. Wouldn't be mad. As true sayer says, release the Kraken. I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Let's go. Do it. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Oh Lord, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little bit behind on the chat here, and I'm just uh, reading some of the comments here. And you know, we already lost the sale trade, so that's uh, ooh, uh, that's a that's a chuckler right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mankata and Mankata and uh, Kopech. Yeah, that's uh. It's pretty rough. Still need a season theme song. Uh, are we not go? Uh, uh, so we're not using uh, Mankata's song. <laughs> uh, Disaster personnel or whatever it is. <laughs> I think that I thought that that was the song, 
and we're all going to put on our uh, rompers, uh, our Hawaiian-themed rompers, and uh, dance around uh, suggestively. Man, I wish I would have had one of those when I was in Cancun last week. That would have been something. That at least would have been a good photo opportunity. Oh, it would have been something. Oh, yeah. It would have been something. <laughs> I'd have been uh, hanging out around the pool with my moose knuckle. <laughs> Kopech <laughs> is a head case. Kopech is a head case. That guy, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that one. Oh, man, that one got old for me real quick. I was uh, I was over that one before I ever heard it. Havana yeah, Havana themed rompers. All right, yeah, I'm into that too. Yeah, the, the DFA Moncada group. That those guys. Yeah, that was another one. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to mention those guys uh, just because I oh, don't. I don't want to mention them. But uh, those people on Twitter, I uh, I, I don't have them <laughs> blocked. But holy cow! Stupidity. I remember seeing. I remember seeing one in a Facebook group that was talking about. How they should trade Moncada. This is like uh, June when Moncada wasn't like was having his little slump, and they're like, we should trade or get rid of him some way somehow because uh, Jake Lamb is uh, not, not not a bad player. But they didn't call him Jake Lamb. They called him the wrong, the wrong J, J name. So like this guy, so this Lamb guy, is supposed to be so good that you can't even remember his name. Jake so Lamb. Jay Clam or Jay Glam, one or the other. Jay Glam, yeah, there you go. Where's the other one? Uh, yeah, so Grimtall mentions that uh, 12 players on the Cuban team defected today in Mexico. So I'll take it. Well, I lost you there, Xavier. I'll sign them all, like the comment says. I'll take them all. Crate Eustace, is that right? Crate. Thanks for the follow. You got a little uh, your mean butt shake for you there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm all on that train. Uh, Mas Cubanos, sign them all. Uh, yes, we got yes. uh, Yulbert Sanchez down there. He's finally starting to hit the ball and looking like he's a player. Um, kind of along the lines of a. Uh, more of a, a Nick Madrigal-ish type guy uh, with probably slightly more pop, um, solid glove, uh, looked really good this year, um, finally starting to uh, you know, show some of that promise that people were talking about. And uh, obviously we got uh, Uelke Cespedes as well. Some, uh, yeah, Romy is also Cuban, um, you know, in heritage anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah, dude, yeah. Romy, Romy Gonzalez is a stud, man. Um, I, I watched that guy all year this year and, uh, I didn't think that they were going to bring him up, but, uh, it was, you know, it was really nice to see him get a little, uh, get a little time up in the, the big league club, even though he didn't get a whole lot of playing time, which is to be expected on a team that is going to the playoffs. I, I get it. Um, he might have been one of those uh, late boosters had he gotten a little bit more time, but uh, yeah, no, that guy's a guy's a monster. Yes, Rodon is also half Cuban. So let's um, not forget about the you know Alexi Ramirez's time here in Chicago and the Cuban connection. 
Yeah, you know? this uh, this whole thing seems to be working out really well with uh, signing all of the Cubans. And I think we should just continue to uh, follow on with that and just sign all of the Cubans. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just curious as to where these guys defected to in Mexico because, uh, you oh, know, just about a week ago, I was uh, I was only a hop, skip, and a jump from Cuba. Let's see. There was a tournament in Cuba. Uh, nine, at least nine young Cuban baseball players have defected during a tournament in Mexico, the largest defection of Cuban athletes in years. The team right. originally had 24 players. Not so much anymore. Um, yeah, well, you know, these things happen. Yeah. It, yeah, baseball oh. journalist Francis Romero says that uh, 12 defected. So uh, that's that's interesting stuff. Um, you know, as uh, the most recent uh, high profile, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop reading that article because that guy already got signed. But, uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with uh, Future Sox's uh, James Fox the other day, and uh you know, one of the things that we were talking about was just how uh, how screwed up. You know, now that they've got the um, January or the yeah the uh, the um, what is it uh, the different signing date that now you know guys are signing in January. Now they end up ha- you know if they want to keep their entire bonus, they end up having to sit for basically an entire calendar year, as opposed to before. Where, you know, you would sign in July, you would only have, you know, like a, you know, five months to sit around and then you would report in January, you know, late January for, you know, instructional slash rookie camp, you know, slash spring training stuff. And uh, now, you know, now you are literally losing a, you know, more or less a, a year of baseball. I mean... Um, you know, you see uh, Norhe Vera down in, you know, he's forced to play in the DSL and uh, he's playing against, you know, 15 and 16 year olds. And, you know, when you're chucking. Oh, it's all just a, I'm sorry. It's all just a plot to uh, slow down Rick Hahn and, and company because of their success in the uh, in the international market. In, that is exactly what it is. Yep. That's that is exactly what it is. Major League Baseball can't have that. We can't. We can't have the White Sox signing all the best foreign players. Oh, you know, man. besides Shohei. <laughs> uh, Grimtall says the White Sox had no idea what position Viciato played, so they asked him. He wanted to be a third baseman, so that's what he told them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tank. Uh, hey, man, he's he's hitting the ball now. Now that uh, he's decided that he's not uh, just a power hitter anymore, you know, yeah, the tax thing's what screws the whole thing up. Kendall is that if they if they want to keep their bonus and they don't want to pay U.S. taxes on their bonus, they have to stay, you know, in the Dominican and uh, ends up basically losing them a, a year of development. I mean, you're not developing when you're a you know a 22, 23 year old, you know, throwing 100 miles an hour. You're not. Uh, you're not developing pitching against 16-year-olds that you've been striking out for the last six years already. So, Right. Yeah, there's that whole thing. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, I'm going to dip and use the, uh, you know, the yeah. facility. El Baño. 
Do you want to uh, stick around for a minute and then uh, we'll do this in waves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Call thinking, it the, uh, the yellow yellow waves. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I was thinking about switching gears there anyway. So yeah, yeah. I guess Perfect time to do started. it. We uh, we talked a little bit about uh, well about playoffs starting and rosters coming up, and uh, you know Xavier's been working vehemently throughout the uh, the the stream here on uh, something. I'm assuming it's getting his uh, his his playoff rosters predictions together. So why don't you go ahead and kick that off for us, Xavier? What do you think? So, um, I. Right now, I'm I've only picked twenty four players. It's twenty five that go into the postseason. Correct. Correct. So I'm I, I'm sitting at twenty four. Um, I'm still up in the year in between. Um, where is this? Right now, I think I have. Let me check. Twelve, twelve fielders. Twelve rotation people. Uh, and the last one, I'm up in the air carrying another fielder or pitcher. But here's what I have. Feel free to roast me uh, in the chats. Uh, so, obviously, this is not the starting lineup yet. This is just who I have on the field. Catcher, Yasmani. First base, Abreu. Third base, Moncada. Anderson at short. Eloy in left. Robert in center. And here's where people might not agree, but I'm doing this as this is my lineup. Adam okay. England, right field. And then I'm starting Laurie Garcia at second base with Gavin Sheets as a DH. My bench right now has Collins, Vaughn, and Hernandez. Rotation is Giolito, Lynn, Cease with Rodon, Lopez, kind of whatever, kind of split start, however you want to go. With Hendricks, Kimbrell, Crochet, Bummer, Kopech, Tapera, and Burr. I'm kind of in toss-up whether to carry another um, utility t- kind of fielder or another arm that's just like a throwaway piece, whether it's Foster or Ruiz or someone else. All right, so let me ask you this. So your outfield right now is uh, is uh, Aloy, Robert, and Engel, correct? Correct. And who, who did you say your uh, your bench guys were? Leori. Oh no, you got Leori starting at second. So you got oh. Caesar Hernandez, Vaughn, Vaughn and Collins. Okay. So if you've got it's Angle, eight. if you've got Angle going uh, as your starter, and let's say you need a, a guy late in the game to uh, you know steal a base, or maybe a defensive replacement for a lawyer or somebody else. Who would that guy be? Would it would would you use uh, Vaughn as your defensive replacement for Aloy? That's the hard thing. That's that's you know picking the holes there. That's where. So obviously he has here. Really could be that twenty fifth man as the speed and can obviously play the field uh, in this roster. Um, and the, this season he's come up big and played some even some big good moments. And I wouldn't mind. I've always enjoyed, uh, like, my playing career. I've always been that stolen base, get on base kind of guy. And that's what Billy does, runner, defense. So I wouldn't mind using him as an 
might have third carry 13 and 12 pitchers. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, for me, and you know, this is just your opinion, but for <laughs> me, I think I would take that extra guy and, uh, I think I would probably go more along the lines of position player, somebody off the bench, like we said, Billy Hamilton, somebody who can, somebody who can run late in the game, you know, when you've got, uh, you know, somebody on base who's maybe, you know, like Yasmani Grandal, <laughs> who late in the game gets one of his million walks and the Sox are, you know, down a run or tied and it's the eighth or ninth inning. I think I would want to see, you know, a Billy Hamilton guy on the roster to maybe come up, steal a base or take the extra base on a base hit by somebody else on the team. Because, you know, as we all know, as good as Yasmani Grandal is, dude's got bricks for feet. Uh, yeah. You know, he can't run. So, um, you know, that would be my particular way to go. And I see Ian is back. Ian, we, uh, we just went over Xavier's. Uh, what what Xavier would like to see as his projected playoff roster, and uh, right now we're just kind of focusing on the uh, position player guys. So what's the but, rub? Uh, where's the uh, where's the controversial opinions? Are we talking Billy Hamilton? Oh, I put in my right field Adam Engel and second base. I'm starting Larry Garcia. Um, with bench guys currently are Collins, Vaughn, Hernandez. I have twelve pitchers and twelve bench guys. A question mark was another pitcher, or if, if we needed a guy who can play defense and run, that would be bringing on Hamilton as my 13th uh, guy for player, yeah. So are you thinking player. 13 and 13? Oh, that's the thing. I thought it was 25, so I wasn't positive. Are they still carrying the 26 man for the playoffs? Is I that correct? Th- I thought so. I can okay. be. Yeah, I was under the impression it was the 25 for the postseason as well, too. But it's possible. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody in the chat knows. Are they carrying 25 Playoff or 20? roster. Tw- yeah, it's a 26. It oh. was 25 prior to 2020, but it is a 26. Okay. All so, right. With my roster, one of the things I was looking at, so it's 26. That means another person can be added. Is there anyone that you guys said, like, I don't know how, if you guys looked at all, isn't there anyone on there who's, who's, was on the 25, the final few games, you would take someone that played the minors. Can you bring any of those guys that are on the 40 up? How does that work? Not, not if they're not, uh, so basically if they're not on the roster, um, what is it? Uh, August thirty, August thirtieth. It's either August thirtieth. I think it's August thirtieth. If they're not on the roster, if they're not on the twenty-six man as of the thirtieth of August, uh, 30, 31st of August. I, I don't know. Thirty-first. Yeah, it might be the thirty-first. Uh, if they're not on the roster on the thirty-first, they are not eligible for playoff rosters unless they get a. Uh, I think it's like a, a commissioner's exemption. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, it's basically more or less, I, I'm pretty positive that the only way that they'll be given a uh, a pass on that is if there's injury. And that's the only way that uh, they would allow those guys that are not on the 26th as of that date to be on the playoff roster. So Romy Gonzalez is a no-go. Um, 
Uh, I think uh, trying to remember. Um, well, yeah, Roman got brought up what like the day after it happened too, wasn't it? Uh, he, no, he got sent right. down the day be- the day before. I think. Oh, that's what, what it was. was. You're right. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that might be the guy. White Sox premium mentioned Keiko. I think that might just be the case as the last guy because um, the last two I was looking at were Ruiz and Foster, but nothing excites me there really. As, oh, as a matter of fact, when you say nothing excites you, I that makes my uh, it makes my sphincter pucker to think <laughs> about either one of those guys being on the playoff and roster a, because, a, coming in, you know, in a playoff. Yeah, exactly. You know, with, with TLR, uh, you know, if you're I don't want roster, to the, it's like it's like Little League. Everybody plays. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't want to have to get to the 26th guy. Let's keep it. Let's keep it with the fewer guys. Yeah, Jace Fry is not eligible. Um, I don't believe, and even if he is, uh, he's been, he's been like really hit or miss in Charlotte. So I don't think that uh, I don't think that that would even be a a possible consideration. Um, so, all right. So let's think about this a little bit then. If it is twenty six, and we've got those handful of question marks that we don't want to see, or you're not even question marks. We just know we don't want to see those. We don't want to see the Ruizes. We don't want to see the Fosters. Uh, with the addition of Billy Hamilton to Xavier's projected lineup or the one that he would like to see, um, do we take another pitcher? Do we do we need a 13th pitcher? Do we feel comfortable with a 13th pitcher? Anybody on the team? Really? Honestly? Between Keiko, Ruiz, Foster? Uh, do we- yeah, Kendall brings up he, that he thinks it's Keiko and Ruiz, and I – have to agree with that. I'm pretty sure that uh, Keuchel and Ruiz make it. Uh, Marshall, he looked good in Charlotte. Um, if if he's uh, if he's ready, um, depending on where he's at, that's, that's a possibility. Uh, I think because he was injured, Kendall, that he can come up. Um, but I'm not 100 percent on that. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to look it up, but I think because he was on the uh, IL that he is eligible to be brought back. But I could be wrong. It's okay. been known to happen before. All right. Yeah, I'm All kind right. of I'm kind of thinking that uh, you know, like I necessarily don't want Keuchel there. Oh yeah, no, he hasn't pitched in the MLB in months. Yeah, he's uh. Yeah, he was injured, and then uh, he just recently pitched in Charlotte, and he had looked uh, he had looked like pretty nasty. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, like personally, I'd, I I would, you know, be happy if you know it wasn't Keuchel. But I know that uh, you know, like it was mentioned, I think uh, in a press conference somewhere or something that Keuchel was going to be there. Whether I think it was TLR that mentioned it. So I mean, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that, uh, uh, as I've heard him called, uh, Galveston Keuchel um, will be on the playoff roster. So I think that that's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to be there. And uh, unfortunately, like you know, personally, uh, I would uh, like to have a twelve fourteen pitcher to positional have uh give uh tlr a little bit more flexibility 
um, with pinch hitting and such in uh, certain situations. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be thirteen and thirteen, and I'd say that's probably what we should probably expect is that it'll be an even split down the middle. All right. Well, here's my next question then. If you would like to see the twelve and fourteen, and let's say that uh, you know Keiko and Ruiz are out. And we already added Billy Hamilton as the uh, the twenty fifth man, you know, uh, for uh, speed and defense. Uh, who would be your final position player to give TLR that flexibility? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, you'd have to come up with. Uh, I mean, you know, we're talking uh, about the uh, about the roster things. You know, as far as like uh, what date guys were on the roster. Uh, I think that kind of, you know, possibly might screw it up for that for, uh, you know, like a bunch of these guys, you know, like you're obviously I, I personally would rather see uh, I, I would like to see Romy up there personally. Uh, I think that his flexibility and his speed, I mean, the guy can steal bases, um, can play the outfield, can play the infield. Um, he even pitched. Not that I want to see him pitching, but I mean, hey, can't be any worse than uh, watching Keuchel, you know, just come out and walk guys. So, uh, you know, but I mean, uh, you know, I think that that, that, you know, like the course has already been set in in motion that, you know, we're looking at 13 and 13 and uh, that that's where it is. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, I did did not happen to catch. Are Are we carrying three catchers? Right now, I just have two. Okay, so you've got Collins and and uh, yes, yes, many. Yeah, Collins and yes. Yeah, I agree, uh, Kendall. That Yermin would not be the worst if he was available. And uh, I mean, we've all seen the guy hit, and we know he can hit, um, but he cannot catch. Um, but yeah, no, he wouldn't be. I, I would not be mad to you know if he made a, a reappearance and. Uh, you know, I guess I guess we'll see. I mean, he spent some time on the uh, on the on the twenty six man this year, so anything is possible, I suppose. Um, yeah, uh, and you know, we all know that uh, Tony Larusa seemed to uh, reach out to your mean during his uh, moment or two of madness when we were getting some. I don't know. I guess you would call it cryptic uh, posts. But not so cryptic, sounding like uh, he was ready to hang it up. But, uh, you know, uh, it sounded like Tony was going to do whatever it took to uh, reach out and keep this kid from quitting. And uh, there was some speculation at that time that maybe, just maybe, Tony was making some promises to the kid uh, about, you know, bringing him back around when he could. Uh, I don't really know. But, you know, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Uh, Anybody have thoughts on that? Not one for uh, rumors, but I'm 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 kind of curious what this kid posted. So a person I I know works at, in the airport, uh, and he had a bag today that had um, details that said your Y E R M and Mercedes. So now now I'm like running my mind. Is he coming to Chicago just to hang out, or what's going? I believe on? that was a uh, M D W uh, tag on on the bag as well. Uh, I, I, I've heard something about this. I uh, can't say uh, that I know where it came from. I don't, I don't really know. 
Yeah, but apparently I, I some some, some guy that works in uh, like whether it's uh, baggage or whatever at uh, Midway. I mean, I don't know. Stranger things have happened, you know. I mean, we all know that he can hit a baseball. He can't field one, but he can hit one. Um, so you know, it certainly wouldn't be uh, one of those ones where I would uh, not be happy to you know see him come in and pinch hit in a you know in a certain situation. He can he can put a bat on a ball. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to talk about. It's, it's definitely fun to think about, uh, especially, you know, that, uh, the Cinderella type of season that he had for the first couple of months. Uh, you know, uh, one could even say that the white Sox don't get to 90 plus wins without that first month and a half of your Mercedes doing what he did. So absolutely not. Uh, you know, I'm not against, giving the kid a, a roster spot just for the occasional pinch hit or, you know, maybe he doesn't even ever get, he never sees a game, you know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, looking at this lineup up and down, you kind of hope that you don't have to use too many pinch hit opportunities. You know, obviously uh, you want to see the, 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 the heart of your starting order stay there and, and do what it's supposed to do. But, uh, you know, maybe rewarding him, for the type of opening that he had this season isn't such a bad thing. Yeah. I can I can uh I can agree with that, you know. Um Yeah, he had some uh some big things happen for him. So, I mean, it would be uh it would be interesting, you know. Uh Absolutely. Uh yes, yes, the uh lefty comes in to pitch against Sheets and then you throw in your mean. It's entirely possible, you know. That seems like a uh, an entirely uh, possible, plausible situation where that kind of thing could uh, reach, you know, reach out and bite another manager in the butt, and that would make me laugh. Um, whether it will happen, who knows? Yeah, see, that's a, a Grimtall says he retired though. Yeah, that's a thing. Is that uh, you know, like he disappeared from Charlotte and wasn't there for the last two weeks of the of Charlotte season, and I saw pictures of him on a boat and stuff. So. You know, it's like I have no idea what happened to the guy. I heard that he I heard from other people that he possibly retired and you know. And then I thought I saw someone was at the final game for what was it, the Knights or whatever, and they saw your mean. So I don't oh, I really? don't even know. Yeah, I saw someone in one of the groups somewhere. Hmm. Because the, the this 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 man and the, the, the woman the his daughter got a Sebi glove, they saw Jake Berger, and then obviously they posted a picture of Yermin and that he was in the dugout. So, all right, then he, could, uh, he might just be the world's greatest troll. I saw a troll comment in there, so maybe he's just a troll keeping us. He, he maybe Yermin doesn't want us to forget about him. He's got I mean, a sprinkle here and there. We've heard, you know, like I've heard all sorts of like, uh, you know, like these, uh, People saying things like all sorts of just weird stuff about how, uh, you know, TLR's sly like a fox and that, uh, you know, he's, you know, essentially rolling everybody this year um, into, you know, looking like an old man and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. If if any of this stuff comes true, like about your means showing up to save the day, and uh, Carlos Rodon comes out next next uh, start and throwing, uh, you know, ninety eight mile an hour BBs, and Garrett Crochet's throwing one hundred and fifty, and uh, you know, yeah, 
I mean, if all that stuff happens, I mean, it would just be, uh, I think, I think my head would explode. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, keep going, (laughs) keep going. I mean, I'm not not finished. (laughs) It it would be sporting a chub here. It would be pretty fantastic. I mean, uh, I mean, if that, if any of that stuff actually ended up being based in reality, I, I, literally think my head would explode if any of that stuff actually, I mean, you know, like the Rodan thing wouldn't surprise me or the Garrett crochet thing, I, I suppose necessarily, but, uh, you know, just that, uh, any of these guys were like sandbagging. I, I think I'd be, uh, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have to, uh, I'll take two or three of the, you know, 25 crazy rumors that we've heard throughout the season. I'll take two or three of those in the postseason. Just show me something. And, you know, like you said, even the couple that aren't surprises, I will be happy to see them. I'll be happy to see Crochet hitting 102, 103 consistently again. Yeah, that would you know, be, uh, I, I, that'd be something. I, I'd be happy to see Michael Kopech come out and, and throwing triple digits like nobody's business and, and wiping guys out with ridiculous change-ups and sliders and i'd like to see carlos rodan come out and throw like huh fooled you my arm's not dead at all you know what i mean i'll take those three things i don't need all the other crazy goofy stuff that we're hearing out there just give me give me two of those three things and you know life's good yeah i mean if uh if it ends up being that you know that they've been uh just kind of laying low and kind of relaxing their arms and just throwing easy and then they came out, and then they're just uh, going out there and lighting it up, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, these guys are all throwing a hundred now." It would be that would be a very very pleasant development. Absolutely. Yeah, McCullers is uh, McCullers is nasty. Um, I was mentioned uh, somewhere that uh, you know that uh, McCullers and uh, uh, Dylan Cease are essentially you know more or less the same pitcher. You know, and uh, he's the kind of pitcher that you don't want to see. You know, guy that's throwing 97-mile-an-hour heat with just, like, nasty curveballs and sliders and change-ups. That's not the guy that you want to see. And uh, that's probably who we got in game one. So it's going to it's gonna start off real interesting right off the bat. So uh, as Hawk says, laying in the weeds. Yes, sir. Yeah, Romy and uh, Danny Mendick hit back-to-backs to start off the game yesterday. And uh, then Romy hit a sack fly for another RBI. And, uh, yeah, they ended up uh, dropping that game. Yeah, and it really sucked. You know, I was really looking forward to uh, watching an additional week and a half of uh, the uh, – actually, I guess a week of the Knights, and half their games got canceled this week. So that was kind of a bummer. Um. All right. What else you got, Xavier? What do you got in that uh, that notebook of tricks over there? Notebook of tricks. Um. So obviously we got the roster stuff, but the the schedule. Um. I don't know if you guys took a look, but uh, there's some mixed opinions with the day games and night games, and yeah. having the market that Chicago has. Why are they playing two, three, four o'clock, or whatever it is? Yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, the first two games are at uh, three o'clock and then one o'clock. Not uh, not ideal for uh, a majority of the fan base. Um, 
yeah, the Sunday game is at seven o'clock, so that's you know that's nice. But uh, and who knows? Someone I left the comments for the day. Who knows if that would have been the case if the marathon wasn't going on that day? Yeah, that's what that's what I heard. I heard that it had something to do with that. That they didn't want it to uh, cause any issues. Not how much truth there is to that, I have no idea. Um, I don't know. You know. Here's my thought on that. Now, when is the wild card played? Uh, tomorrow, right? There's okay. a there's a game tomorrow and then a game on Wednesday, I believe. Right, right. So, I, I I had a little bit of a conversation with somebody about this, and apparently they didn't know when the wild card was played, and they were trying to tell me that it was because, you know, the Yankees in Boston were going to be. And I said, no, the Yankees in Boston are going to be playing ahead of time. So, you know, if you guys have seen that excuse on Twitter, you know, you can forget that because I didn't actually see that. Like, oh, it's because of the East Coast and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they play tomorrow, uh, the Yankees in Boston, then uh, the Cardinals and Dodgers are on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, third largest market in baseball, even though, uh, you know, some people would like to have you think that the White Sox are a, a, a mid-market team, you know. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, we're not the Cubs. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's, the thing is, is this is a rematch of the 2005 world series. This is the last time that these two teams faced each other in the playoffs. And now they're facing each other again. Uh, Houston being recent world series champions and the white Sox being, you know, one of the hottest up and coming teams in baseball, you would think you would think that for whatever it took that they would put these guys on primetime television. And uh, I'm a little miffed about it myself. Uh, you know, I pay for Xfinity, so I will be DVRing these games, but, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult to, uh, not look at my phone while I'm at work and know exactly what's going on. And that kind of sucks, and I'm not happy about it. But I'm gonna pout. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not thrilled about it either. I mean, luckily, I do. Uh, at work, I do have, uh, you know, a couple of TVs right in front of my face, so uh, that ends up working out for me. Okay, you know that I'm not gonna miss anything. But I mean, you know the uh, the perceived lack of respect. You know that uh, we are accustomed to receiving. Uh, looms large you know it's kind of one of those things that i when i when i heard the schedule i was 100 percent not shocked and uh you know at this point i'm kind of just uh it just kind of rolls off my back you know but it's still kind of aggravating that's consistent you know it's like every every single point you know well, that we get uh job I... like that I guess they're just gonna have to uh, gonna have to change some uh, some minds this season and go really deep, and hope that uh, you know making a deep run maybe changes things. But uh, as we can see, you know the O five team, as good as they were, have been left out of a lot of graphics by that uh, Eastern Seaboard programming network over there. Over you know the last four or five years, they just kind of act as if that season didn't exist and that postseason thing is this so i don't know i don't know if there's ever going to be a cure to that uh 
but yeah, it's uh, consistent winning. That's it, that's literally the only way that it's going to change. Yeah, and even then, uh, it still got, might not. You know, right, right. I mean, the 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 whole thing is is that the White Sox have essentially marginalized themselves just because they haven't been competitive. You know, when you don't go to the playoffs for, you know, eleven years. You know, what I mean, what you know, or twelve years or whatever. What like, what do you, you know, what do you expect, really? You know, it's uh, yeah. kind of one of those things. You know, it's just that we, we've, you know, the team doesn't go to the playoffs very often. Uh, never been in the playoffs two years in a row. You know, I mean, that's just, I mean, that right there, that I mean, that's essentially that should tell you right there is is why they're marginalized is just non competitiveness. You know. Yeah. So I can't expect anybody else to get excited about it when, you know, locally we haven't had much reason to get excited either, you know, except for, you know, and with long stretches in the middle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, unfortunate. It's, uh, it is what it is, man. Um, you know, White Sox premium K Kendall here is uh, saying that he's just going to leave work an hour early. I said, yeah, I wish I could. Uh, you know, unfortunately I just took a couple weeks off for my, uh, for my honeymoon. And I know somebody here is going to be a, a smart ass and tell me, well, that's my own fault. But, you know, I think my wife probably would have, you know, asphyxiated me in my sleep had I, uh, not taken the time that I took to, uh, you know, you really think she's going to do you that favor? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, gotta make you suffer. Yeah. So see, there it is. I knew it was coming. That's your own fault. That's your own fault. Thanks, Kendall. Appreciate it. Yeah, I yeah, expected way to, that. Way to get married. Way to you get know? married and spend, you know, ten days in Cancun. Way to way to way to go live in paradise for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least the weather, you know, like I always try and get my wife to do vacations, you know, like, uh, you know, like we're supposed to be going to uh, Disney World, which has been canceled three times now. Um, but, uh, you know, she's always trying to do it in like September or like August. And I'm like, let's do that in February. Let's go when it's the worst weather imaginable here. Let's get out of here. Still pushing. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't mind September because that's when kids go back to school and everything is kind of, it's less crowded. So, oh no, I me. get it. I just hate I the hate weather people. here. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that as well. Timing is key. I agree. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, we're coming up to the uh, eleven o'clock hour here, which is the uh, usual cutoff time. Um, does any of you? Do either of you two gentlemen have anything uh, pressing or important on uh, your docket? Pre- nothing no, pressing. I would, right. I would uh, just like to uh, – I'm sorry. I'm stepping all over you, Xavier. Please, 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 please. Uh, no, you, you can go first. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you to uh, all of our followers and listeners uh, who have been with us uh, from the beginning, even going back to the days before I was on the show when it was – just Ian and Xavier doing their thing on the uh, original podcast. But uh, thank you all to uh, being here on this first ever playoff edition 
of our Twitch stream. That is true. White Sox playoff Twitch stream right here on White Sox Daily Live. So thank you guys for uh, sticking it out with us this season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, continue to do this with you guys for a long time. So much appreciated to all of you. Yeah, you guys listen to a lot of complaining. Bravo for sticking around. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You said the thank yous and goodbyes, but I hate to bring in just a random thing. But uh, this week with the end of the season and the different numbers coming in, obviously the stats of the players, but stats of attendance, uh, the the White Sox have definitely improved. But I, I can't believe how many articles are out there. Uh, talking about decline in attendance when like Phil none Rogers. of them, none of them have referenced like uh, yeah I think it was Phil Rogers. None of them referenced uh, like you can compare if you're using uh, per game averages, but to say total number compared to the total number of this year, uh, just a sympathetic look. Uh, glad it wasn't me who made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, for uh, those of you that don't know, uh, Phil Rogers penned an article for Forbes uh, stating that the White Sox um, did a really good job, especially uh, for the fact that they were down 5% in attendance this year compared to 2019, Um, you know, despite the fact that, uh, I don't know, for the first three months of the season, there were COVID restrictions on home games that only allowed 20,000 people in the park. Oops. Guess I just forgot that part. Um, Even last, I think like the first two months had like very minimal, like even yeah, less than like fifteen, what it, something like that. Three weeks I think before was, that, it was like eight thousand or something. It might have been. Yeah. It was low. It was really low. So, yeah. Well, yeah. when he got called out on it, he posted a retraction and and edited his story, but still didn't. Uh, you know, still made it sound like, uh, you know, the payroll was like he went amazing. Wrong. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, I, I, I retracted that part. That part, you know, no big deal. My, uh, sorry, my bad. Yes, <laughs> Phil, you're bad. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. It, so, and I just had to toss that in there one last thing. Yeah, no, I'm, that was fun. I'm that. perfectly fine with, uh, you know, ripping on. Uh, guys uh for awful articles that happen to uh leave out half of you know the factual information um yeah so it's uh 10:58 thanks for everybody uh in chat thanks for coming to hang out uh at daily white Sox on twitter uh whitesoxdaily.com uh filler the old score guy uh old score guy which one are we talking about there's there's too many of them are we talking about uh, Bruce, Bruce Levine? Because yeah, that guy's that guy's uh, known to pull some uh, major boners as well. Um, uh, I also don't like Paul Sullivan. He's a he always oh, does a quick lock. You oh, disagree one, you're done. Uh, that guy's brutal. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like the thing is, is that every single one of the guys that we have mentioned is a Cubs guy. So I think that that probably has something to do with it. Uh, just a thought. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we're on all the, uh, let's see, we're on the Twitters, the Facebooks. Uh, we are obviously here on Twitch 
and uh, like to thank everybody that came into the chat tonight and kept everything going. Uh, guys, make this thing a lot easier, and we appreciate it. And uh, I think that uh, we're good for the week. Are you guys good? Absolutely. Yep. Gonna bust out my voodoo, my voodoo magic for a White Sox. Ooh, yeah, yeah, do it. It's a hundred and twenty-five dollar voodoo mask. Or something. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what they tried for, but uh they didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. So anywho guys, thanks for coming in the chat. Thanks for hanging out for myself, Ian Eskridge, my co host, Mr. Danny Miller, thank you for coming back from vacation. And Mr. Xavier Sanchez, thanks for hanging out during his vacation. Uh just uh, appreciate all you guys and thanks for hanging out. Have a great night. Thanks.